Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? last best picture winner we have watched james cameron's epic 1997 titanic a 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious ill-fated rms titanic 200 million dollar budget and as of 2015 it had grossed 2.18 billion dollars and was the first film to gross a billion dollars. Yep. Okay, so we don't do this. We don't do this as often with each film. But you have to explain why you have never seen this film. <laughs> okay, this came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. I would have been about 11 years old, maybe okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. I was a snotty preteen. Right about 11 or 12. You're a snotty adult. Well, okay. But at like 11 or 12, I had already hit my 14-year-old, I know everything and this all is stupid phase. And so. That place. This movie came out. Mm -hmm. And it was a big fucking deal. It was a big fucking deal. Like, it was a huge deal. And I hated anything that Mm -hmm. was a big effing deal. Mm -hmm. I refused to enjoy it. He did the same thing with Harry Potter, but that's a different podcast. Well, okay. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got other reasons for that one. Still so... wrong, but okay. <laughs> we'll deal with the Titanic one now. <laughs> so, I was the kid who desperately wanted but never got the shirt that said the boat sank, get over it. I did. Because I, I, I'd already heard about the Titanic mm-hmm. before this point. I think we talked about it being a big ship. And I was just like, it's a big freaking boat. I saw the trailers, and I will say, after having seen this movie, I would have hated it had I seen it at the time. I would have hated this movie because it was a smarmy, it would have been a smarmy romance story to me at true, that point. True, And I would have just been like, oh, screw this. Mm-hmm. This is this is the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. I feel pretty justified at the time mm-hmm. not caring. Okay, yeah, I know, that's fine. And then, but it's been 20 years. And then I never saw it. And then I kept never seeing it. And finally, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go the rest of my life never seeing this movie. And then, bam, we started a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but really, I, that was the interesting thing that just occurred to me right before we started talking was like, I would have hated this movie mm-hmm. in 1997. And probably for a few years after that. So it's probably good that I waited this long to actually see it. Mm-hmm. No, I... I... I can see that, especially based on what you said while we were watching it. Oh, yeah. That was good. Now, you... I have some explaining to do. You have a very, very specific, hardcore connection with this movie. I do. So, I I was the girl who had the shirt, the boat sank, but I was also the girl who saw this six times in the movie theater. Six six times i can't explain this is a three-hour movie i know it's not like some fun like that's a commitment that's nearly a full day of your life that you gave to this movie it is yeah 100 percent. when i was about 14 years old 
So I was perfect age to be absolutely in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was. There's uh, there's no denying that. You're not wrong. He's very pretty in this movie. I mean, I've been in love with him since he played Luke on Growing Pains. So, <laughs> I mean, I had like a deep love of him. I would think about all the ways in which I could still date him, even though he was much older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I still cling to that, okay? I don't care. Even knowing now what he's been up to with the ladies? I mean, he's a little womanizer, but, you know, he's so pretty. (laughs) Like, old crushes die hard. Anyways, uh, I kept seeing this film for a very specific reason. Not Leonardo DiCaprio, not because of Kate Winslet, though I will say I was infatuated with her hair and her style. And she was one of the first women who was rounder on film being called gorgeous that I was like, I could look like her if I tried hard enough. Like, she's her beauty for me was attainable. That's fair. Um, so there was there was that element. But for me, it was the filmmaking. This film uh, really spurned my desire to know everything I could about filmmaking. I wanted to become a director after watching this film. That's where it all started from, which eventually got me to theater. A few years prior to this, I saw a making of documentary for The Wizard of Oz, which up until that point has always been my most favorite movie. And that was the first time I had ever really seen anything like that, about all the technical stuff that went into making that film. And when this movie came out, every single day on Entertainment Tonight, on whatever, it was something about Titanic. It was something about the making of. Uh It was something about all the time James Cameron spent, you know, underwater And that was fascinating to me. All the work and the effort to get things just so, so accurate. I just had never known about any of that. Every time I was seeing that film, I was seeing it to catch those details, to watch what they did. And so that's where it was. That's what it, that's where the magic was for me. I think that didn't come to me until a couple of years later with The Matrix. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that makes complete sense. And The Matrix just took what I was obsessive about in this film and was like, oh my god, they created brand new technology. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it blew my mind in a different way and just helped spurn that on. This made me start reading screenplays. Like, I was I was still kind of in this weird zone where my parents were like, you can't go see this movie or you can't rent that. So what I would do is I would go download the screenplay and print that off and read it. My parents were none the wiser. <laughs> that I I remember I got really obsessed with Kevin Smith during this time. Yeah. And I couldn't see Dogma because Dogma was just about to come out. And I was so pissed and obsessed. So I went and read the screenplay. That's fair. Yeah. Screenplay is actually really good. Yeah, I was never that way with movies. I think it was because I latched onto theater really early. Well, that was my only outlet. Yeah, no. I got into theater because there was no film outlet in high school. Right. Or junior high, for that matter. So I was like, okay, well, theater's where film came from, so let's go there. And I I latched into theater as my outlet Mm -hmm. right in middle school, before at the time or before this had started. That was your and so film outlet. was something I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. but like theater was the thing I was doing the whole time. Well, and I had, you know, that's just what it was. I was in band and I was also an art kid. So I had those as creative outlets and this was just a new means to funnel it. So when I went and got into theater, it was like, all right, I'm good. I got this. Yeah. And I was, always, I'm, I'm not a performer theater person. I am a technical theater person. That's just my way. I like to know how the sausage gets made. Yeah. 
So that is where I have, this movie has a very special place in my life, even though I know it's not the best film ever. (laughs) Like, it's not a, oh, this is the greatest film ever told. And I I hate that song. I I have lots of opinions. But it it does have a special place in my heart. Well, now that is fair. Yes. Some people still think this is the greatest movie ever made. Well, they're wrong. They're very dumb. Okay. So, um, James Cameron is evil. That's, we need that on a t-shirt. That should be on a t-shirt. James Cameron is evil. James Cameron, I don't think he's evil. Okay. I think he's an asshole. That is true. But I that's think, a different thing. I think he's just that's a kind different of thing. A dick. Look, he's not Michael Bay evil, okay? Because Michael Bay has done some horrendous he, shit. He's also that's a it's a different it's a different thing. I know they're all horrible men. That's but as, just... as far as I know, James Cameron mostly is just the biggest piece of turd to have to work with because he's so ridiculously demanding for not a lot of return. Well, you know what's funny is that both Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Had, had said that this was grueling. This was horrible. This was such a difficult movie to film. They would work for James Cameron again in a minute. Yeah. And, and Kate Winslet has made good because she's going to be in Avatar 2. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what I'm talking about then. But that's the vibe I get. It's, it's just impossible to work with a dude. And here's what I would no, think. I, 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 would, I don't just... Dis- I believe that statement. And here's what I would say, though. I don't think it's the actors that it's hard to work with. I think it takes care of his actors. I think everybody else mm-hmm. are the people who hate that motherfucker. I, I I believe that. That's where I've heard the horror stories. Okay, so if you've never heard of James Cameron, so he is our writer and our director. And he has, before he wrote this film, he did Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, and True Lies. I forget he wrote True Lies. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. True Lies is great. And then after this film, he did the TV series Dark Angel with Jessica Alba. And then mm-hmm. Avatar. He did not direct a film. For 12 years after this. Because it took so long to get Avatar ready. Well, it this took five years of his life. So he deserves a break. That's fair. And then he was doing TV. He was playing around with TV. That's fine. And then he started working on Avatar. Yeah. Which we have never seen Avatar. I kind of don't want to ever see it ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. It's probably going to happen now that we've watched Titanic, don't you think? We do have a podcast about movies we've never seen. Yup. Damn it. Why did we do this to ourselves? I don't know. We could we could have had this as a story forevermore, but now I've seen the movie. Fuck. And now there's sequels, and we like to go see... Oh, damn it. Yep. Damn it. Yep. So anyway. Okay. And in terms of directing, uh, he directed the same movies before and after. So that's, that's his rap sheet. Of course, there's more things in there, but those are the big ones. Oh, yeah. We love Terminator. I'm not a big fan of Aliens. Oh, you forget Ter- you forgot Terminator 2, which is even more important than Okay, he directed Terminator. 1 and 2. He is responsible for the characters of all of them. He is involved in all of them and in some fine. way. And that's fine, but T2's a landmark movie and incredibly important. I think I think Terminator, the first Terminator is better. That's fine, I, but T2, in terms of what they pulled off with special effects, mm-hmm. was such a huge, huge thing. And I just love True Lies because it's hilarious and I liked that it let Arnold Schwarzenegger do more than just be Terminator. Oh, yeah. It's it's the Die Hard for Schwarzenegger. It was. And yeah. I had never seen Die Hard at that point. So I didn't, I didn't see that until you and I started dating. Yup. It's very weird. But whatever. Yeah, I finally got you to watch it. And then and we I, watched all four of them. No, I still ha- I fell asleep during two. Eh, that's kind of fair. 
So how, how do we feel about the writing of this movie? You're going to start with that? Well, we usually start with writing, so... And he's both, so... Because... Let's, let's start with the writing, because that is the, you know, that's the beginning of all films. Because I want to end with that. That's the, <laughs> that's the most fun part to end with on this movie. This is the worst screenplay I've ever seen in my life. No, it is not. No, it's it not. It is not. It's not. But it's really bad. Here's... Here's... You and I had... We, okay, we should have had this argument on the air after the film, because it was epic. This is a great movie. It's a great movie. It is well written. And in terms of directing, it is perfectly executed. Where it is a piece of shit is every piece of dialogue between Jack and Rose. It's a piece of shit with every bit of dialogue between characters. I don't agree with that statement. I 100% agree with it when you would apply it to Jack and Rose, the romance story. But here's... here's bad. No, here's my problem, okay? Okay. Every bit of dialogue between the characters is overwrought. The Bill Paxton scenes on the boat beforehand is ridiculous. It's pu- it's trying too hard. All the stuff, all the stuff between other characters on the boat is trying too hard. Every line of dialogue between the characters is bad. And here's the problem. Mm-hmm. He wrote this movie like it was one of his action scripts. Correct. All of the lines in this movie sound exactly like the lines that are in The Abyss, mm-hmm. in Aliens, in all those movies. And okay. guess what? They work in those movies. Mm-hmm. They don't work in this one. Correct. Because this is a prestige Oscar period piece. And he... it does not fit the level of detail no. and mood that he set up with the directing. I do agree with that. This screenplay should the entire, not the entire screenplay. I understand that the screenplay has to involve the visual elements, mm-hmm. which he would have been needed to be involved in. Mm-hmm. He needed somebody else to write the dialogue for him. I agree. He All needed a partner. He needed a writing partner. He needed to write this, whatever, whatever the final veracity was. Okay, this is where we're starting, and he, I need somebody to go over the dialogue, exactly, make the scenes work better, and and he, then go from there. And here's where it gets really, really touchy for me. Is that because your dialogue is so bad, I stop caring about all the amazing things you're doing in the movie. Now, it didn't ever really get to that point, Mm -hmm. but it got close sometimes where you wanted to just be like, I I don't care about anything that's going on with these characters. So it's really cool how you're you're making this all happen, but what are the fucking stakes? I don't give a shit. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the danger of this movie. It is. It gets so perilously close to being a complete turd because the characters aren't believable. It Yeah, that's the place. That's fine. And I will say, it doesn't ever get there because of how amazing he pulls the rest off. But you could watch yeah. this movie without hearing any words and it would probably be ten times better. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Right? I would, uh, that would be fun to watch the riff tracks for this film. Not even a riff track. Just turn the sound off and just watch it. Yeah, that could be good. Or take out the audio, the audio feed and just use the soundtrack lines. Let's listen to it. Oh yeah. Just listen to the score. Yeah. Because the score, the score works really well. Yes, it does. Which Hmm. we'll get to. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. Direction. We touched on a little bit. Let me now go to, this is one of the best directed and visual films I've seen in my life. Because it is gorgeously directed. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It is. Watching this movie was one of the most odd experiences of my life. (laughs) It was. Because I'm watching what is an impeccably directed movie. Visually stunning. Mm -hmm. A grand sweeping vision with one of just 
the worst types of dialogue I've heard in the most cheesy melodramatic things I've, I've listened to. And so I'm sitting there going, I can't reconcile these two things in my brain right now. Mm -hmm. This should be bad. Why is it not bad? It's, it's the dialogue, but it's, it's gorgeous. And he knew what he was doing. Yes, he did. He knew, um, he got into a lot of trouble with, he almost got removed as a director uh, Paramount wanted to scrap the film at one point because it was so over budget. I mean, the tank they had to build for all of this cost $40 million alone. Yeah. James Cameron offered to forfeit his director's fee and his percentage of the gross uh, just to keep the film going. And finally, one of the producers came and he showed them a rough cut of what he had been doing so far. And they're like, okay. And then she went back and really fought to be like, no, we have to keep going. Because the other part is if they pulled the plug, they were out all that money. Oh, yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that. This was the first film to be released on VHS DVD while it was still in the theaters. Because it was number one for 15 weeks. Mo- the studio had to send replacement reels because the ones in the theaters were getting worn out. Yeah. I mean, I, d- just for me alone, they could have gotten worn out. <laughs> And this was the last film to be printed on 70 millimeter film until The Master in 2012. Ah. We always bring it back to Paul Thomas Anderson. He he loves his film mm-hmm. print for sure. Yeah. And, okay, it's a very long film. Yes. We know that. Three okay. hours, 15 minutes. Okay. If you take out all of the present day stuff, leaving only the historical stuff, the film is two hours and 40 minutes, which is exactly how long it took from the minute the collision happened to when the boat sank. I roll. I roll, but I like it. It's a fun piece of trivia. Whatever. And the actual collision in the film is about 37 seconds long, and that's how long the uh, collision would have been when the boat sank. Yeah, well, that's easy enough to pull off for sure. Um, And since this film, they've done a lot more research on the boat and all that stuff. Of course, there's been a resurgence of, oh, should we raise the boat? And they've all decided, no, <laughs> it would fall apart in a minute. Absolutely not. Um, But they have really studied the construction of the boat and they have determined that the boat was fine. They did nothing wrong in terms of the design and build of that boat. Just the one thing that could kill it happened. Yep. And that was it. And they did eliminate this from the film, but there was one boat nearby that could have helped save people, the USS California. They had turned off their radio for the night, which is why they never got the call. Yep. So there's a little boat history for you. Okay, so now we're going to talk about some actors. <laughs> okay. Because there are a few. <laughs> Good grief, there are a lot. Yeah, well, we see a lot of cameos. We see a lot of... Good people. Some people we've seen a lot of that we enjoy. So let's start with Mr. Jack Dawson, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Some of the best acting I've seen with some of the worst dialogue that has to be delivered. Oh, yeah. This is a much better testament to his acting prowess than even, like, The Revenant. Yes, he had just done Romeo and Juliet. Uh Uh-huh. Which I think was perfect prep for him. Yes. Because, okay, Shakespeare's amazing. But it's difficult. It's hard to sell that sometimes. Some of Shakespeare is a drag. It just is. Right. And he was in a film that was very visionary and modern day and, te- and intense. And you had to use this this language. Heightened language. Heightened language. That's a good way to phrase it. 
and somehow have to motivate it with the style. Exactly. And it, it's an amazing film. I think that's Baz Luhrmann's best film ever. You can all shut up about Moulin Rouge. I don't want to talk about it. It's the worst freaking movie ever. We're going to have to talk seen. about it at some point now because I've said it, but Ugh. that movie's crap. Whatever. I think that perfectly prepared him to do this movie. Because somehow he has to be believable mm -hmm. while delivering some of the worst stupid-ass lines I've ever heard in my life. In really shitty circumstances for both a person and just as an actor. And he does it. He does it. He he's does it well. He's pretty believable through the whole movie. I thought I was going to just want to put a noose around myself when we got to the I'll Never Let Go scene. Turns out it's gorgeous and wonderful mm -hmm. and beautiful. And I think part of it was I didn't realize that, you know, they were going to be shivering and it was going to be quiet. I thought it was a lot more overwrought than that. And it's not. Yep. But, you know, I, my, my context for the film was all the cultural stuff surrounding it. Yeah. So people were like screaming out. And I was like, that, that wasn't what it was at all. He was dying. The only real eye roll part for him truly was the king of the world thing. Yeah. That that was It that. doesn't hold up well at all. No, it's just really fun to mock. It I, is. I mean, and that's fair. But the rest of it, he's really, really good. He is. He and he did not get nominated for an Oscar. I'm not surprised. We'll go since this is quite the Oscar nominated film, we will go through all those categories. But yes, he was snubbed. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, do you wanna do you wanna play who could have played him? Who do they consider? Oh, let's let's go through the uh, the possibilities here. Okay, when this film was first imagined, James Cameron wanted River Phoenix. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, then he died, and Leonardo DiCaprio was old enough. And Leo was kind of a River Phoenix clone in some ways. Oh, very much so. They've been compared constantly. Uh, Jared Leto, but he refused to audition. Good. Good. I know, you hate him right now. The most punchable man in the universe. That's true. Rocker Pixie Jesus, yeah. I hate that guy. That's what Tom and Lorenzo call him. Rocker I will Pixie Jesus. I will say, the one movie he's actually really good in is Fight Club. Oh, and he yeah. gets punched in the face a lot in that movie, yeah. so, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, Tom Cruise. No. Yeah. He was no. too old. He was too old for that. Macaulay Culkin. No. If he had wanted to do it, he could have done this well. But he wouldn't have been as good. I don't know. You've never seen Party Monster, have you? He's not as handsome. No, he's not as handsome as... Okay, him next to uh, Kate Winslet? No. It wouldn't have if worked. If it had been a different actress, maybe. It just wouldn't maybe. have worked as well. He, maybe. He also he also has no ruggedness. And I know Leo is a very smooth, smooth boy. Mm -hmm. But Leo can pull off the kind of roguish thing that I don't think Macaulay could pull off at all. That, there's that rogue charm that I'm just like, ah, Macaulay can't do that. Okay. Who else? Ethan Hawke. Maybe. 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 Brad Thinking of reality bites there. He he maybe could have pulled it off. Maybe. And Brad Pitt. Nope. No. You know, okay. And the last one that's super weird, the studio actually really wanted Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> And this was at the point where James Cameron had decided, no, it's going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's the what they were arguing over. Matthew McConaughey would have been so bad. It would he have been was, horrible. Okay, he was in contact the same year. He's like 10 to 15 years older than that character is supposed to be. Um, the character, yes. I was like, eh, he's only a few years older than No, you. no, 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 no. But yeah, no, no, in no, terms okay. of the character, he was so much older looking. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about Contact at the same time, you're like, absolutely not. That would have been <laughs> awful. 
No, if I'm looking through that whole list, I'm going probably with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I agree. That's that the or, That or River Phoenix. Oh, well, God. Yeah. River Phoenix would have been, like, the perfect choice. Mm-hmm. All right, next on our list, we've got Miss Kate Winslet. Ooh, boy. Okay, she has said that since watching this, since she did it, she's watched the film, and she's like, oh, my American accent is horrible. Well, that is for sure. Certain. It's not great. Setting that aside, she's still kind of shit. <sighs> Up until about the last third of the movie, mm-hmm. she's annoying as fuck. She is. She's very poor little rich girl. And and then says the line, "I know you think I'm just a I'm just a spoiled little rich girl." I'm like, "Yeah, I do. I think you're that the whole way through this fucking movie. Yeah. Stop talking." No, absolutely. Um, the only person who's worse than her is her mother. This is a situation too where I think it's just actress couldn't meet the the crappiness of the writing. Agree. She couldn't, couldn't. She couldn't elevate that writing. You couldn't elevate that writing, and that's fine. because we know Kate Winslet doesn't suck. No, she's amazing. But this was such a shittily drawn character. Mm-hmm. I mean, at at least Leo had a little more meat to work with. He had a little more room to play. He did, and... His character didn't have to be stiff, so yeah. And she's just pegged into such a corner with this character. But even then, you're just going, Hi, this is bad. Mm -hmm. You did not do well. I don't care about your character. By the time we get to where you are Mm self-possessed, I still don't really care, and I kind of don't care about you when you're an old lady with the stupid necklace. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool, whatever. Interesting story. The boat sank. That's really what I was here to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do you want to know who was considered for her? Oh, hell yeah. It is quite the extensive list. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to go through the whole list because it's really long. And I'm going to make noises as we do it. Okay. Jennifer Aniston. No. Vanessa Angel. I don't even know who that is. Gabrielle Anwar. Nope. Christina Applegate. Mm-mm. Rosanna Arquette. Maybe. Drew Barrymore. Maybe. Rose Byrne. She would have been good. Who? Dude, I didn't even. Nobody knew who she was at that point. Hey, that's that would have helped. Yeah, it would have. Uh, Gabrielle Carteris. I don't know who that is. That's Andrea from Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Okay. Jennifer Connelly. Yes. Holly Marie Combs. Claire Danes. Yes. 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 Gina Davis. Amanda no. Donahoe. Donah- I, yeah, I, I, it says Donahoe. Cameron Diaz. Maybe. Minnie Driver. Nah. Eliza Dushku. Mm-mm. Claire Forlani. Mm-mm. Jodie Foster. Too old. What? Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yes. yes. Sally Hawkins. Yes. Uh, Amelia Henley. Mm-mm. Natasha Henstridge. Ava Herzegova. Angelina Jolie. Mila Jojovich. Yes. Nicole Kidman. Uh, no. Allison King, Jordan Ladd, Robin Lively, hmm. um, Carrie Lowell, Madonna. No. Sophie Marceau. I, I got nothing. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller, Michelle Moynihan. She would have been good too. Yeah, well, she's kind of one of those sleeper. You've given me some better heavy hitters there, so. Emily Mortimer, Thandie Newton. No. Mm. She should be embarrassed for the rest of her life for her performance in W. Gwyneth Paltrow. Ugh. Christina Ricci. Nah. Jolie Richardson. Maybe. Carrie Russell. Jerry Ryan. Ha <laughs> ha, no. Not Seven of Nine, sorry. Uh, Winona Ryder. Maybe. Nicolette Sheridan. Ione Skye. <sighs> I, 
I the thing is, I have no reference for most of these people, which is sad. Uh, well, I'm also I can see from this list that some of it is also from when he first started conceptualizing the movie. Yeah, because they would have been way too old by the time he got that. In. Like Jodie Foster. Yeah, no. Uh, Tori Spelling. <laughs> that girl can't act her way out of a paper bag. That's so sweet of you to think about her. Sharon Stone. No. No. Charlize Theron. Maybe. Mm. Uma Thurman. Rachel Weiss. Yes. Yeah, she would have done really well. Reese Witherspoon. She would have been great. It would have been interesting to see her do that. Rachel Weiss probably would have had the same problem as Kate Winslet. Agreed. But they uh, look very similar. Reese Witherspoon. It just depends. Mm hmm. She's got that range. But did she have it at that time? I don't know. Yeah. So, and then the last one is Alicia Vitt. Out of every single one of these names you've thrown at me, mm-hmm. it's Claire Danes. Oh, no. Hands fucking down, Claire no. Danes. No. She would have been so good. No. She's so much better than all of those other actors. Seriously, she mm-hmm. is. I would have gone with Rose Byrne. Way more interesting. And no. again, I don't want to see the same pairing from Romeo and Juliet. I don't care. That's fine. She's the best. She had the most definable range out of all of those actresses you you talked about at that time. Uh, she did. Mm-hmm. Out of every single one of those, who would have actually been able to somehow elevate that script? It's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. Next, we have Billy Zane as Hal, or as Cal Hockley. <laughs> I forgot how bad Billy Zane is. It's super villain, Billy Zane. <laughs> he's so bad. He is. He's. He's horrible. He's a caricature of himself. I remember watching whatever that stupid superhero movie he was in. Was just like, that was going to be his, his trip to superstardom. I was like, oh, no. Okay, fun fact. When Rose says to him, I'd rather be his whore than your wife, that's a line from Twin Peaks that is said in the episode that he is in of Twin Peaks. Oh, that's fair. Fun fun fact. Ah, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. He is actually pretty good in Twin Peaks for the, like, three episodes he's in. Yeah. And then just disappears off the face of the planet. <gasps> Spoiler alert! Okay, the movie, it's it's 20 years ago. Who cares? It's in the second season, guys. It, I haven't seen the new season. I got nothing on that. I'm sure he shows up at some point, because everybody did it. All right. Then we have Kathy Bates as the unsinkable Molly Brown. You know, she's not in the movie enough for me to care. Like, she's good. Kathy Bates is never bad. But why do I care? It's the unsinkable. I like that the character is in there because she was, in fact, that's her second boat sinking that she survived. And in this clumsy, crapola piece of a script, the whole point is that she's the new money in front Mm -hmm. of all the old money. And so there's supposed to be murmurs around it, which is fine. I guess my thing is, if you wanted her to be there, make her a cameo. Because as as long as you make her kind of a part of the movie, she should have been in it more. Maybe a little bit more. But it ma- the way she was in it did make sense. It made sense. My problem was was that if she's going to be that much of an integral character, you should have seen more of her. No, she's not an integral character. She is in terms of the class issues going on. She really is. <sighs> but I don't... With how he set it up. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't... I think if we had seen more of her, we would have been like, why? Maybe I just wanted more Kathy Bates because she's a good actress. That's fair. <laughs> it could have been Reba McIntyre. Oh my God. Or Barbara Streisand. Babs could have pulled it off. But see, if it was Babs, it would have been so wasted. And you know, you know, if Bab was in that movie, she would have had to sing the fucking song. Oh, she just, My Heart Will Go On would have been a Barbra Streisand standard until the end of time. No, it's a Celine Dion standard. Celine Dion. Dion. We'll get there. 
All right. Then we have Frances Fisher as Rose du- uh, Ruth Dewitt Bucater. Cool. Next actress. Gloria Stewart as Old Rose. Cool. Next person. Okay. Well, she was 86 when she was doing this film, and she was furious and hated all of the old age makeup. <laughs> in or- that was needed in order for her to look like a hundred year old. Fun fact, Gloria Stewart actually lived to be a hundred. Nicely she done. She has since passed away. Then we have Bill Paxton as Brock Lovett. Game over, man. Game over. His hair is so offensive in this film. It's really, I, they're trying to make him the sea guy and he's been out there a little long, but it's kind of like, uh, he would, I mean, isn't he supposed to be the Bob Ballard proxy? I don't know. Isn't that what he's supposed to be? Because James Cameron had been tooling around with Bob Ballard this whole time. I think he was the proxy for for James Cameron. Okay, that might make sense. Because he's doing all these dives, and that's what James Cameron was doing. Yeah. Um, James Cameron did a ton of dives. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he, he acquits himself well. Out of everybody on that boat, he is the most believable. True. And has the cheesiest lines. But, again, still manages to deliver them with an iota of realism. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we have Bernard Hill as Captain Smith. Who cares? Well, okay. No, he's actually pretty good. He he plays a sea captain well. Yes, he does. Um, he's The I, look on his face when he knows that the end is finally coming and walks into the captain's chambers. When he decides I'm going down with the ship and goes into, I don't know what that's called, and shuts the door, you're just like, that's a man. That's a military man. He goes to the bridge. Yeah. That's the bridge of the ship, so. I don't know. I never know what you call those things. Just think Star Trek. Okay. All right. Then we have David Warner, a Spicer Lovejoy. He's the henchman for Cal. Now I do love me some David Warner. He's wonderful whenever he shows up, and he plays a really shitty dude. So. All, I th- all I think of with David Warner is the master control program in Tron. <laughs> or he's SAR. He's not the master control, but Tron! He, he plays his role well. Yeah. He's good. And then we have... The lovely Victor Garber as Thomas Andrews. Victor Garber's another really great part of this movie. I love Victor Garber. Um, his character is the one who designed the ship. He's really good. He's always good. He's a little cheesy at first when we see him, but once we get to the nitty gritty, because he's the guy, he's the guy who's kind of explaining to us exactly what's going on here. Yeah, what he they used his character very well to explain. Uh, what is happening to the boat and why this is bad. And then he's also the one to point out, he, uh, like he looks at Rose, remember what we talked about with the lifeboats? Uh-huh. They're not a, there weren't even enough for half. They had enough and they took them off because it didn't look good and it would cover more of the deck. He's our, he's our exposition. Mm-hmm. He really is. But they do it in a way where the character makes sense. So Oh, absolutely. Even though and he bludgeons us over the head with it. A little. But did- this... By that, by that, James Cameron, not True. Victor Garber. Well, between the digital mock-up of what happened in the beginning, and then all of this, and then we get more of it later, you're just kind of like, okay, we got it. Like, okay. Oh yeah. We know the boat's sinking. Real dumb. But yeah, pick one of those, please. Then we get Jonathan Hyde as Bruce Ismay. Yeah, he's serviceable. He got off the boat. He's coward. Anybody else famous that we know of after this? Uh, next on the list was Susie Amos, who plays Lizzie Calvert. 
Rose's Rose's granddaughter. Right. This is James, Mrs. James Cameron the fifth. Jeez. Uh, James Cameron was still married to Lyndall Hamilton during this film, but they have been separated for several years. So he started dating Susie during this film. Maybe that's why we think this guy is such an ass, because he can't stay married. Well, he clearly has a type, because this woman looks like just a younger version of Linda Hamilton. Or Catherine Begelow. Oh, yeah. See, I you know what? When I saw this, I knew this about him, but I forget about Catherine Bigelow, because she was James Cameron, like, the first. Uh-huh. Or maybe the second. I don't know. When you uh, have five, I lose track. I'm pretty sure it's the first. Maybe. Um, but yes, there were. Uh, there was at least one of the the crew members that has gone on to be well known. Who's that? Owen Griffin. <laughs> I think it's Ian Grufford. It's uh, no, it's Owen. Owen Grufford. Owen. I know that for sure. He has the stupidest name on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Fifth Let's... Officer Lewis. Yes. Who does actually get a pretty prominent role right at the end of the movie. Yeah, he is in charge of the boat that actually goes back to try and find survivors. And saves Rose. Yes. Went on to the Fantastic Four. The first complete, no, no, the second complete and utter failure of that franchise. No, it was the first one. No, they did one back in the 90s with Roger Corman. Okay, so there's been three failures of that. Uh Uh-huh. Now, the Roger Corman one was a pure rights grab. They were going to lose it if they didn't make a movie. So they gave it to Corman to be like, dude, just do something quick on 50 grand. We don't, we just need to get a movie out. Wow. So, um, that's three times they failed on that, that franchise. That's nuts. I know. Okay. That's a fun triple feature for another day. Oh God. (laughs) Okay. So now we have to get into the big deal about this movie is, and that's the Oscars. And that's why we're watching all this. This film was nominated for 14 Academy Awards. This is the second time that had happened. The one, the film that had gotten this many before was all about Eve. And this, this feat was repeated last year by La La Land. That's a whole different thing. Um, It was also the first film to be nominated in all of the technical categories. That is fair. Which is 100% fair. So we're going to just start with the top of the list. Uh, We are using the Meet the Awards app, which is actually awesome. It's some, uh, these people created a complete Academy Awards database. Uh, This is not an ad. This is just us. Hey, this is cool and helpful. And if you need it going forward, use it called meet the awards so this is the 70th academy awards uh it aired on sunday march 23rd 1998 so we had previously said that leonardo DiCaprio had been snubbed this is who was nominated an actor in a leading role jack nicholson for as good as it gets great matt damon for goodwill hunting also great robert duvall for the apostle haven't seen it but think it's pretty great peter fonda for yuli's gold and dustin hoffman for wag the dog great Yuli's Gold was also a legacy award. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nomination because he did not win. Jack Nicholson won. Just gonna say it. That wasn't a snub. All five of those guys are better. I no, I agree. In looking at who actually got nominated, yeah, the only other person you would kick out is Matt Damon, and Matt Damon was better. Nah, I would have kicked out Peter Fonda if it was going to be anybody. Hmm. But this was, I, th- I, I think, it's a legacy. There's a there's point. a legacy Oscar there. Peter Fonda. This was going to be the last movie he ever made, I think, because mm-hmm. you know that he was probably pushing his 90s at that point and a legend. But you know, that, if there was one person he could have gotten in past, that'd be him. And yeah. with two young guys, mm-hmm. it was going to go to Matt Damon. He's better. Sorry, Leonardo. It would, it would take 20 more years for you to get your Oscar. It wasn't his turn. Nope. 
Uh, just for shits and giggles, actor in a supporting role, Anthony Hopkins for Amistad, Greg Kinnear for As Good As It Gets, Burt Reynolds for Boogie Nights, Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting, and Robert Forster for Jackie Brown. And this was the year Robin Williams won. Mm-hmm. Robert Forster in uh, Jackie Brown's a sneaky one there, too. I would say no to Burt Reynolds, but Greg Kinnear was amazing. I've never seen Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights, so... Oh, we're going to have to have a whole Paul Thomas Anderson theme, like mini theme, just because we need to get caught up on some of those. <laughs> and Boogie Nights is amazing. Okay, we'll mix it in with Kubrick. Okay. Oh, damn, that's going to... I want to be so exhausted. Okay. Actress in a leading role, Julie Christie for Afterglow. Helen Hunt for As Good As It Gets, Judy Dench for Mrs. Brown, Helena Bonna Carter for The Wings of the Dove, and Kate Winslet for Titanic. What the fuck are some of these movies? I know, right? It went to Helen Hunt this year. Well, okay. We also have to remember, 1997, uh, they, were, they were making movies for, for women. They weren't making good movies for women at this point. No, you're playing an old lady or a hot lady. There was very little in between unless you're Hel- Helena Bottom Carter. Or Meryl. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. This was a year Meryl wasn't nominated. Well, I think Meryl's like in a weird dark period in the late 90s, kind of, right? Um, I think she did take some time off. That's probably around she the She had her last kid in like 95. Ah, uh, that so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Right around here, she was probably kind of off, off the radar for a little while. So the only two movies in this category I had seen is As Good As It Gets and Titanic, and I would give it to Helen Hunt any day. Oh my god. Yeah. I can't believe she got nominated. There had to be other movies out there with better female performances. Yeah, it's a big film. Still. Okay, so Leonardo or or Kate, who gets nominated? Leah, if I'm going to give it to one oh. person. Okay. I would nominate Leo hey, over Kate. She showed her boobs. Well, if that's the <laughs> that's the stupid stinking reason you gave I her this award. I know. For crying out loud. Uh, it's a long running joke. Okay, actress in a supporting role. Julianne Moore for Boogie Nights, great nomination. Minnie Driver for Goodwill Hunting. Joan, also, also good. Yep. Joan Cusack for In and Out. Nah. Oh, she was really good. Well, no, Kevin Klein was that movie, so yeah. never mind. And he already has an Oscar. So also, it's not that great a movie. It's not that great a movie. It's entertaining. But it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Kim Basinger for L.A. Confidential and mm. Gloria Stewart for Titanic. I have, I have feelings about L.A. Confidential. Pourquoi? Everyone loves that movie. They say it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's a piece of crap. It's a turd. Yeah, and Kim Basinger won. Not deserved. I just didn't like that movie. I would have given it to Julianne Moore. Okay. All right. Art direction. Gattaca. Kundun. 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 Okay. L.A. Confidential. Men in Black. And Titanic. Titanic wins. There's some real good art direction movies in there, though. It's Gattaca or Titanic. I've never seen Gattaca. (gasps) Oh, that's a really good one. I know. In the sci-fi world? Oh, yeah. It's one of those two films. Titanic one. Yay! I'll I'll take it. All right. For best picture, uh, As Good As It Gets, Good Will Hunting, L.A. Confidential, The Full Monty, and Titanic. Good Will Hunting and As Good As It Gets are better movies than this. They just are. They're better stories. They're better movies. I don't know. They are. Here's the thing. If the screenplay was taught enough to match the level of the visuals he was providing, okay. I would not have any reservation. Here. But because those stories and the acting and everything comes together better, I can't say that it's better than those two. Okay, but here's 
here's the thing. They didn't award the best story. They awarded the best achievement. I don't think it's the best achievement. Uh, you're wrong. No. Yeah. I, okay. if your story can't get there for me, I don't care. That's, that's a personal issue for me. I do get that. But you have to think of the year. This is 1998. This is before The Matrix. This is before, La- this is where story typically is supposed to be. What's the best film? Oh, who's got the best story? What's the most interesting? Well, this one blew everyone out of the water, technically. It does have a decent idea of a story. It was That part was not executed well. But the film is, oh my fucking God. Okay. And that's fine. That's what they awarded. But 20 years from then, mm-hmm. me here now, I just look at it and go, as good as it gets in Good Will Hunting or better. Okay, They're better. well, they awarded French Connection Best Picture, and that's a hot turd. Well, and do you see how much I was pissed off at that decision? Okay. I think as it's good as... It's been 20 years. In 1998, it was the correct decision. I, I don't know. I okay. just don't know. Okay. I can't put myself in 1998 and make that choice. I can't. So hard being you. <laughs> Cinematography. Amistad. Kundun. LA Confidential. The Wings of the Dove and Titanic. Okay. I haven't seen Amistad. So I can't put that one there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen Kundun, though I would admit it's probably good if it's a Coppola movie. Yeah. And then LA Confidential, for all of its faults, is a gorgeous movie. It's a solid nomination. It's a beautiful movie. But Titanic wins. Yeah, with Titanic wins. All the water stuff, all the shit that happens in that last third of the movie with the camera. Uh Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And all the shit you had to do to be able to get the cameras to film while they were in the water. There was that, all the rigging for the people. Though, you know, let's be fair, he figured all that out during the abyss. Costume design Mm -hmm. Amistad, Kundun, Oscar and Lucinda, The Wings of the Dove, and Titanic. What the fuck is the wings of the dove? I don't know. I gotta go figure this out. Okay, but Titanic wins. Yay! I mean, it was... Okay, this... Amistad was gonna be purely historical. Well, and so Titanic. I mean, Nothing... it's, it's a lot of historic con- costumes and then a little bit of improvisation because these people aren't real. Our main character's real. Everybody else in the boat's real. But what were the other ones again? Kundun, Oscar and Lucinda... And Wings of the Dove. I've heard of Oscar and Lucinda, and I don't remember. Kundun would have been another choice here. Again, without seeing it, I can't mm-hmm. make that ruling. But you're dealing with the Tibetan culture and Tibetan ritual culture, and oh. that's a very different, unique type of research you have yes. to do. All right, directing. Goodwill Hunting, Gus Van Sant. LA Confidential, Curtis Hansen. The Fulmonte, Peter Kenteo. The Sweet Hereafter, Adam Egoyan. And Titanic, James Cameron. I'm going to give it to James Cameron, but I'm really tempted to go with Gus Van Zandt. That's fair. I really love what Gus Van Zandt did with that movie. He did. He did a wonderful job. Uh, Film editing. Air Force One, As Good As It Gets, Good Will Hunting, LA Confidential, and Titanic. Yeah, it's Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't argue with that one. Makeup. Men in Black, Mrs. Brown, Titanic. Men in Black? Yeah, Men in Black 1. Okay, good. Yeah, this is one of the ones it it lost. Okay, good. Yeah, no, Men in Black was way yeah. better. Oh, yeah. Music, original dramatic score. Uh, Amistad by John Williams. Uh, Goodwill Hunting by Danny Elfman. Yeah. <laughs> Kundun, Philip Glass, LA Confidential, Jerry Goldsmith, Titanic, James Horner. Who won? James Horner. Mm-hmm. Titanic. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, you want to know who he wanted to do the score originally? Enya. It sounds like Enya, because but, James Horner did that. But, okay, so then you want to know who else he asked to do it? Who else? Dolores O'Rourdian. Now that, that would have been interesting. And makes total sense given what shows up in that film. Imagine what the cranberries would have done with I that know. song. Rest May in she peace. rest in peace. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. She's gorgeous voice. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. She would have been great. Okay, music, original song. Okay, I'm just... Uh, Tell us the other songs so we know. Okay. Journey to the Past from Anastasia. Oh, God. How I... do I live from Con Air? <laughs> I think I remember watching this. This is the weirdest thing where you had a song that was such a huge freaking hit and a movie that was a legitimate big hit. It was a good movie. I've never seen Con Air. <gasps> That's like one of the few good Nick Cage movies before he went fucking insane. Yeah, and oh, he was already insane. He's know, always but, been insane. But not outwardly. <laughs> but I remember it being such a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Also because there was the whole thing of Leanne Rimes did the song and mm-hmm. then she couldn't actually be there because it was a rated R movie. Yeah, she was like 16 at that point. She couldn't go to the ceremony, so Trisha Yearwood sang it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That was a big deal. Anyways. Miss Misery by Elliot Smith for Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yes. That's a great song. Everything by that. Elliot Smith is good. May mm-hmm. he rest in peace. Very sad story. Yeah. Uh, go the Distance by Alan Menken and David Zippel from Hercules. I can go the distance. That's a great uh, Disney, Disney song. song. Yeah. It is. It's a great anthem, and uh, they did it well. And then. And then My Heart Will Go On by James Horner and Will Jennings from Titanic. Performed. By Celine Dion. Dion. Okay, Celine Dion did not want to do that song. Her husband, Renee, said, okay, just do it. Just record one just so we can get out of our system. But you should do it. You should do it. So she she did a demo. And the demo is what is actually used over the credits. <laughs> Which, that demo is fucking amazing. As a one and done. So, I mean, Celine, okay, say whatever you want about Celine Dion. The woman's amazing. Oh, God, yeah. She is an amazing talent. I don't give two shits about her. (laughs) And I never want to hear this song ever again. But you will, because I'm going to sing it to you every five seconds. Oh, and I'll punch you in the nuts. But every other song there, I mean, Miss Misery could have easily won. I could have seen that. Anybody could have won over that. Mm -hmm. All right, we just got a few more. Sound was Face Off, The Fifth Element, or Titanic. Mm, The Fifth Element's really good. I I could see it going to The Fifth Element. If you had lost to The Fifth Element, I would have been like, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but it went Titanic. F- how did the fifth element not get nominated for art direction? How was that crime committed? At sound effects editing, Air Force One, Con Air, Contact, LA Confidential, and Titanic. I, I really don't care at this point with that one. Titanic wins. Cool. Visual effects. Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> the Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, and Titanic. Titanic wins. Like, why didn't anybody else show up for this? Uh, Again, mm-hmm. what the fifth element came out this year, mm-hmm. people? Yeah. Also, how did Gary Oldman not get nominated for supporting actor for that film? Because <laughs> he's so good. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in that movie, take him or leave him. But... Mm-hmm. And that was it. So it took home 11 of, yeah, it took home 11 of its 14 nominations. So to to summarize, it lost makeup Actress in a leading role and actress in a supporting role. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad. La La Land didn't even get close to that. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, boy, howdy. It deserves a good chunk of those Oscars Mm -hmm. it won. 
most of them it did deserve. But man, okay. I the the argument there is best picture. It really no, is. That's the no. I agree. And I, I, agree. And I can understand hindsight twenty twenty mm-hmm. it being a it being a caught in the moment type thing. Yes. But looking back at it now, I just go. As good as it gets, and Goodwill Hunting are better movies. Okay, but okay, we're talking about this year in 2018 that we the conversation this year is box office should have something to say. If we didn't talk about box office, Get Out wouldn't even be nominated. Well, and so if you if you look at that part of the metric, Titanic wins every dime. Maybe. Um, and and I I know, I know it, they get it's the biggest film of the year, so they're gonna award that. I understand that, but let's think about it in this year. Okay, if we're if we're saying, well, you know, I don't care if it made money or not, we lose out on films. I mean, if Get Out had not made as much money as it has, then it would have never even been considered. And that's fair, but the context to me is different. It's an, it's a little bit of an apples and oranges situation because in 1997, Titanic was a box office smash. But it was always gonna be. Not necessarily. Yeah, it could have flopped completely. I could I could I could see a universe where, okay, let's say the studio said, You get this film done now. Cut cost everywhere, get it done. We're well, not, more so they yanked him off the project. That's what would have They could have done that. That's well, the actually only way I don't think happened. they ever could have because it was his script. And it was all his research and all of his film. I mean, he developed, his, him and his team developed the camera that would take all of that footage. Then it would have been the most spectacular documentary about a failed film ever uh, made. And it would have been one of the most epic lawsuits if they tried to continue without him. Yep. That would have been interesting. But yeah, they, they would have taken a big loss. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, there, it was high risk, high reward. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. Okay, so it's time for our ratings. And since this is my film, I have to go first. And I've really battled with this one because I'm stingy with my stars. That's, I'm very stingy with my stars. That is true. And I do recognize that there's a level of the nostalgia for me, but I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. And that is because of its technical achievements. I, I'm going to say like at least a point and a half for me is the nostalgia and, and the path it led me on. And I want to recognize and honor that. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it is for the technical achievements. Give me a three. Okay. I'm I'm a little surprised. No, I shouldn't be surprised. It's a shitty script that somehow it's gets not, managed to be overcome by everybody else. It's a else. good script with shitty dialogue. Because if, if you kept every shot the same but had different words coming out of people's mouths, it would have been fine. That makes it a shitty script. Eh, leave me alone. I am... I am a person who needs good dialogue to enjoy a movie. I don't disagree. I just, I do. It's still 3-5. And you need your story there. So, somehow, the actors, mm-hmm. the directing, the technical achievements all manage to overcome what is dialogue that, to me, not, it, it's one thing for the dialogue to be kind of bad and mushy and just be like, okay, whatever. But when, to me, when the dialogue actually starts hurting the film, mm-hmm. because that's what I felt like it was doing, then you've got to work that much harder to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And somehow, they do. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are done with this section. We are done with this season. Yeah. We are going to be back next week with our review and talking about who won. We're going to be having our own little Oscar viewing party. So that'll be up on Monday. So at some point between now 
in Sunday's broadcast, we are going to put up our final nominations. I believe David and I might do our own ballots, but if they're too similar, we may just combine them. We'll see. Uh, and then following the broadcast, we're going to sit down and record all of our thoughts about the the show itself and our host, Jimmy Kimmel, as well as what do we think about who won. We might be a little silly at that point. Yes, because it'll be super late. And then after our Oscars uh, episode, we're going to take two weeks off. Uh, we have got our next season of movies kind of planned out. We've got some some scopes and we're trying to figure out how we want to maybe set up our show maybe a little bit differently, have a few more segments. We got we got ideas. We got some cool ideas some for ideas. what's coming up in the next season. Uh, but since we have just been on a rampage with films, we're going to take a little break. Oh, it'll be nice. It will be nice. Uh, and foc- we're going to focus a little on our other shows too. Our My Little Pony show and our Riverdale will be, we'll be coming back from hiatus at that point. Mm-hmm. So you can catch us over there if you're getting withdrawals. <laughs> uh, but we will give you a preview of what we are planning to do in the spring on our Oscars yes. episode. So until next time, guys. All right. This week we went and saw Game Night. A group of friends who meet regularly for game nights find themselves trying to solve a murder mystery. Okay, so I'm really glad they went hard R with this one. Because if it had been a PG-13, it would not have been as funny. No, the blood was very, very necessary the, to make this movie click. The blood, the F-words, like, it was necessary. Uh-huh. Like, to make it as funny as it was, it was very funny. And, like, not, oh, the trailer is the best part of the whole movie. No, it keeps, it gets better. There are some cute cameos. It's great. It was super fun. John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein were your directors for this movie. Okay, okay. John Francis Daly made a little tiny little cameo in the movie, so I was like, I know, did he write it or did he direct it? Okay, so that's fun. Um, I'm loving everything he's doing right now. He wrote Spider-Man. Yeah. He co-wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, so that's awesome. Okay, and Jonathan Goldstein, big claim to fame for him, as they noted, is Horrible Bosses. Okay, yeah. Along with then joining John Francis Daly on mm-hmm. some other stuff, too. Okay. And, of course, Jason Bateman was in Horrible Bosses. Jason Bateman's great. Nobody plays a uptight guy better than Jason Bateman. Of course. More fun than Jason Bateman for me mm-hmm. is watching Rachel McAdams be total suburban mom. Yeah, this seems a little... I mean, the last thing we saw her in was True Detective Season 2, which she was interesting, but, like, super damaged. And I, you know, I she's just Regina George or the chick from The Notebook. Like, that's kind of who she's been. So it's kind of fun to see her play mom. She's working on stretching herself. Or well, she's, okay, she's not a mom. I'm going to give a little warning. There is a lot of infertility talk in this movie. So if you're at all sensitive about that or going through a difficult time in that area, maybe you should skip this movie. If that is a hot button for you... Skip it. That's See it fair. another time. That's fair. That I'm just going to put that out there. And it's used mostly as a comedic trope and not, you know, treated with any real weight. Yeah. That, that's like really the only part that I'm just like, yeah, they should have done something different here. But other than that, it's hilarious. Hell, come just for Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons is great. Like, he's he's 
matured, though he's, aside from, like, he's a lot bigger than he used to be, and so it's funny because his face still looks the exact same. Yeah. And, you know, and it reunites him with Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, which I've never seen. Neither have I. And I, I it's like almost a point of pride now. Like, I don't want to watch it. I don't think that should be pride per se. We're from Texas. And I don't give two shits about seeing Friday Night Lights. That might be part of it. I think that's what it is. That like I think I did try to watch it. I watched like the first two episodes. I was like, I don't care about these people. Well, we were Texas. We were we were theater kids in the middle of Football Central, being like, Yeah, you're taking all our money away from us. Screw you. Yeah, it's like, we don't care about you. Football. I was never into the football team. <laughs> Anyways, game night is great. Lamorne Morris, who is one of our most favorite people from The New Girl, is adorable in this movie. I really want to see him in more comedies on screen. Uh, He is... I really hope he lands another TV show because New Girl's ending after this short little season. He is amazing on that show and he was fun in this movie. He's Eddie Murphy level funny. He is. He really is. And he does a Denzel Washington impression, which is spot on in this movie. Yeah. It's great. And oh, and Billy Magnuson. God, he's great in this movie. He's fun. He's... Everyone's great. It's just a lovely movie. There's some. There's another fun cameo, which I'm not going to spoil, but it's adorable. It's very self-referential, which is great. True. Um, but those those lines are fun. It's just fun. Yep. And if you're at all a, a trivia game nerd, yeah, you'll be happy. That was about it. Yeah, so go see it. Good times. All right, bye, guys. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.